Oh, I forgot I had these here. What? If anyone would like a oh. mini graham cracker covered in dark chocolate. No thanks. You don't like graham crackers? I don't love them. I don't love dark chocolate. Together, it's a flavor combination I can do without. <laughs> it's the anti-Reese's cup. I love I, graham crackers, though. Holy shit. Me too. Yeah. If I had one again, I'd feel differently. I mean, as part of s'mores? Yeah. I always feel like whenever I have s'mores, by the end, I'm like, please, Celeste. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oof. <laughs> so if you're... Fuck. No, I mean, you could just say no s'more. No, why would I say that? It's, it's ludicrous. <laughs> Just felt like the natural flow of language. Or, I, mean, I mean, again, I, I think we've talked about. Words, Chris. You're right. You I, don't. I, I, should, I should stop teaching it. <laughs> this the podcast where three friends get together watch a troubled movie have a themed cocktail and they talk about the problems we had with this movie uh, and then come up with our own what we would have done better a solution a solution yeah uh, i'm your host for this week lee what have you done to my beautiful self dalianti i am chris so big it dragged behind me <laughs> Ravel. and i am brendan the rabble drishler <laughs> If you couldn't tell from those nicknames, mm. uh, we have just finished watching the movie Maleficent. If you couldn't tell, I'm sick, so I apologize if I cough a lot or make bodily noises. You know what? Deal with it. Yeah, we we both you and I'm going to do it right into the mic. Oh, that's that's a great great move. Snort. Well, we couldn't have gotten through this movie without um, the help of copious amounts of alcohol. That's and right. So we how did we do it this time? Certainly consumed that. So we dealt with it by making a drink called Hello Beastie, which I realize now also could be a reference to Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest. Oh. Uh, oops. That's Anyways. Okay. We didn't watch that. So. No, we didn't. So it's for this. And what the Hello Beastie is, it's one ounce of vodka, one ounce of blackberry brandy, one ounce of cranberry juice, and some silver luster dust. And you pretty much just swish that all together in a shaker with some ice, strain the ice out. You got yourself a cocktail. It was a very pretty cocktail. It was a very pretty, pretty. cocktail. When you, when you swirl it around, it glitters yeah. very beautifully. A quick Google will solve this problem, quick answer this question for you, but yes. if you don't want to do the quick Google, you're that lazy, um, first, change your life. <laughs> um, second, we used about half a cup and like an eighth teaspoon. Yeah. Um, that's about the ratio. Fourth, fourth, uh, a cup, fourth, half a cup, eighth right, teaspoon. Right. Oh, you don't want a lot. Like yeah, all, little, like little all things glitter, a, yeah. a tiny bit goes a very In long moderation, way. please. Yep. When you get different colors, you'll get different effects. We use yeah, silver. Silver is a good base. We use silver because we had silver. <laughs> yes. we use silver. Honestly, if we had gold, we used gold, green, yeah. red, you know, whatever. Probably, we use silver because we will have silver for the next 20 years. Probably green would have been appropriate. Get yeah, over it, guys. We didn't have it. Ooh, I hope, like, whoever, whichever one of us ends up having descendants, like, that's one of the things we pass on. Like, here's the luster dust. That we <laughs> yeah. From making these kinds I mean, really, as I was saying, I was making it, it's like alchemy or something, because I was like, getting, like a little teaspoon of like this, like pouring it upside down into a cup and just like tapping it all out. Uh, Flavor-wise, I thought it was just okay. It's it's quite sweet. It's very, it sweet. very sweet. Now, did we... I listen. I honestly, I'm gonna be honest with you. I spaced out. Did you talk about the fact that it was supposed to be schnapps? Me as brandy? No, I did not. Okay. It was supposed to be schnapps. It's supposed we to be could schnapps. Not find schnapps. Couldn't find schnapps. It was brandy. I don't know if that affected it. I do think that both of these things are very sweet. Yeah. 
we did use juice, not cocktail, so that there was no sugar right. in the actual right. cranberry juice. I think we should lessen. If I was doing it better, I would I would do more juice, less. Even though it's brandy, brandy even though it's like liqueur, I, I don't know. It's, the, the liquor is such a one ounce of it, but it's so sweet. Yeah. yeah. There's like a little part of me that's thinking like we could have just even done vodka and the juice and probably walked out of here like with a good looking drink. You but, know? Then we're doing, exactly. but then we're just doing a sparkly vodka cream. No, I get you. I get you. We're not, well, a swirly. <laughs> I'm just saying, sparkling would imply that there's bubbles, there's carbonation. <laughs> no carbonation. I should also specify, it wasn't just cranberry juice, it was cranberry pomegranate. So really, yeah. we had like blackberry, cranberry, and pomegranate going on there. And it, Fuck um, you, free radicals. Yeah. It was it was interesting, though, because I, I think it was Chris who said it tasted kind of like blackcurrant or licorice or something. Yeah. Just a little bit, and it did. I don't know what precisely made it taste like it's that. It's aftertaste. It almost had a Twizzler like flavor to it. Yeah. I think it has to be the brandy, I'm sure it's probably the brandy. Just because pomegranate and cranberry doesn't typically taste them. Yeah. yeah. It's very sweet. It might be to your taste, yeah. audience. I don't know. It's not really to ours. No. We're not but it looks beautiful. It's all right. And I thought the color was lovely. It's not offensive. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm not mad I drank it. No. Good for you. <laughs> don't go to bed angry, Chris. you can say about it. <laughs> yeah. Not mad. <laughs> um... All right, at some point we got to get over and figure out what this movie yeah. was about, so oh, yeah. we're going to go through the honors today. Fire up Wikipedia tells us that Maleficent is a powerful fairy living in the moors, a magical forest realm bordering a human kingdom. As a young girl, Maleficent meets and falls in love with a Scottish human peasant boy named Stefan. I guess the word is officially in that he's Scottish. So wait, I have a question. Is it Stefan? I think so. Isn't it Stefan? I, in the end, maybe it's Stefan, but now I honestly don't remember. I think it's um, Stefan or Stefan. I'm just going to say, you know, smoking maybe got him, whichever you know, whatever, remember. yeah. It's, I was just curious if It's spelled S-T-E-F-A-N. Do with it what you will, yeah. people. His love is overshadowed by ambition, and as they grow older, they grow apart and Maleficent becomes protector of the Moors. This is already not very well written. When King Henry well, tries to conquer the Moors, Maleficent mortally wounds him, forcing his retreat. As Eli is dying, he declares that whoever kills Maleficent will be named his successor and marry his daughter, Princess Layla. Stefan meets Maleficent and the Moors, drugs her, but is unable to bring himself to kill Maleficent. Instead, he severs her wings using iron, which is lethal to fairies, and presents them to the king. Devastated by Stefan's betrayal, Maleficent turns the Moors into a dark kingdom and transforms a raven named Diavol to serve her. After some time, Diavol informs Maleficent that King Stefan's newborn daughter, Aurora, is being christened. Vengeful, Maleficent arrives uninvited and curses the infant princess. On her 16th birthday, she will prick her finger on a spinning wheel spindle and fall into a permanent deep sleep. Maleficent mocks Stefan's plea for mercy, but offers an antidote. The curse can be broken by true love's kiss, which Maleficent and Stefan believe is non-existent. Stefan sends Aurora away to live with three pixies, Notgrass, Thistlewit, and Flittle? Flittle. Little just didn't seem right to, pro- no, to protect her until the day her sixteenth to protect her until the day after her sixteenth birthday. He destroys every spinning wheel in the kingdom and hides their remains in the dungeon. Stefan sends his armies to find and kill Maleficent, but she surrounds the Moors with an impenetrable wall of thorns. In trying to prevent the curse, Stefan slips into madness and paranoia, even neglecting to see his wife on her deathbed. Maleficent gradually begins to care for the young Aurora when the bumbling and neglectful pixies fail to look after her properly. After briefly meeting Aurora, Maleficent watches over from afar. When Aurora is 15, she encounters Maleficent. Aware she is being watched over, Aurora calls Maleficent her fairy godmother. Maleficent unsuccessfully attempts to undo the curse, but 
it is unbreakable by anything other than a true love's kiss. Meanwhile, in the forest, Aurora meets a young prince named Philip, and the two are attracted to each other. On the day before Aurora's 16th birthday, Aurora tells Maleficent she would like to live with her in the moors. When Aurora returns to the cottage, the pixies inadvertently tell Aurora of her past and Maleficent's true identity. Aurora runs to her father's castle, upset that Maleficent never told her about the curse. To protect Aurora, Stefan locks her in a room while plotting to kill Maleficent. However, the curse's power draws Aurora to the abit, to the above-mentioned dungeon. <laughs> above-mentioned? Just say aforementioned. <laughs> or just say dungeon. <laughs> That's not a word. You would just say dungeon. Sorry, hang on a second. Above-mentioned. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Aurora pricks her finger on a spindle and falls into a deep sleep, fulfilling the curse. Maleficent, intent on saving her, abducts Philip and infiltrates Stefan's castle. Philip's kiss fails to awaken Aurora. Maleficent apologizes to Aurora and kisses her forehead. Aurora awakens as Maleficent's motherly feelings for her goddaughter count as true love. As Maleficent and Aurora attempt to leave, Stefan and his guards ambush them. An iron net is dropped on Maleficent. Maleficent transforms Yavel into a dragon, who battles Stefan's guards, but he is eventually captured as well. Stefan taunts Maleficent, who is is dizzy and sick from the iron, his former love for her fully gone. Before he delivers the fatal blow, Aurora finds Maleficent's caged wings and releases them. They fly to Maleficent and reattach. Maleficent carries Stefan to the top of the castle's highest tower, but cannot bring herself to kill him. However, Stefan attacks Maleficent as she turns away, and they both plummet from the tower, entwined. Maleficent opens her wings, and Stefan loses his grip, falling to his death. In the end, Maleficent returns the Moors to its former glory, and Aurora is crowned queen to unite the two kingdoms. Prince Philip and Aurora smile at one another during the coronation. <laughs> and that's all someone wrote on Wikipedia. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot happens. And yet, um, seven minutes. And yet, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Take Guys, Hollywood, take fucking note. I gotta say. I was shocked when I watched this again. I was sitting down thinking, like, okay, this is about, like, what, two hours? Looked at the back, 97 minutes. I looked online to double-check that there was, like, a misprint on the back of the box. It was 97 minutes. Listen, it's a quick movie. Listen, Hollywood, I gotta use the bathroom sometimes. Yeah! Stop torturing me. Also, what are you gonna give me in two hours that's not gonna feel bloated? Because a lot of these two-hour movies do feel bloated. This, this movie, I actually have a lot of positive things to say about this movie. Yeah. It's, It's lean, it's quick. It keeps its story light and tight. So here's what, I, Lee, you and, did we see this together? Yeah, we had a special, like, preview a, a, thing. At, yeah, like a GoFobo thing or whatever? No. Wait, no. Okay, so I we saw went, this. We went to Lowe's to see this. We were, like, we were, we saw it as, like, a special screening. I know we saw Lone Ranger as a special screening. Oh, maybe that, maybe this. I'm conflating it with Okay, because I was going to say, because I remember seeing, so we I saw this. We did this together. Okay, so if you saw this with me, then we saw it at Jordan's Furniture okay. when we Aaron did, yeah. was here one year. Yeah. So, Chris, did you see this in theaters? I don't think so. Okay. This wasn't the first time, though, you saw no, it. No. Okay. I've seen it before. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure that we had all, like... Do you remember what your what your thoughts were initially when you saw it? I'm just curious. I remember liking it, but I wasn't, like, wowed. I remember being, like, so weird. It's yeah. just so weird. Yeah. It was so, like, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I did, did sort of, like... Jim Henson's discarded nightmares. Oh, like yeah. the Avatar babies. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what are like? No one could have. You could never have told me that like, weird, this movie like, had all these weird creatures in it. Those weird, like, uh, none of them like were the, in the trailers. The seaweed fairies. And yeah, the, like, yeah. The little like elephant the babies little, were there. The mudslinger yeah. guys yeah. just throwing mud around for no reason. Yeah. To you know, their entire purpose. Uh, There's like a weird sky whale. 
Yes, I, there is. Oh, there is a weird sky whale. I forgot about that. And it's like this weird like, skeletal fish. Sort of, yeah. Thing. It's yeah. so weird it's fish. So, yeah, right. Because it's just like that one scene, right? Where like Aurora's like petting it. And I'm just like, what now? Yeah, there's some in the background too. And it just floats away. Yeah. I, I found it impossible on this watch to not actually compare it to Mistress of Evil, the the sequel that we recently watched. That's true. And um, in, in many respects, I found this original to be superior. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to argue with that <laughs> one. was going to argue that this is like, better than yeah. the sequel. Uh, what, what struck me the most was Maleficent knew where its strengths were for the most part. And kept the focus on their best asset, which was Angelina Jolie as Maleficent. I would also yeah. say that the characters in this one have very clear, distinct motivations. Even if I don't agree with, like, right. necessarily the motivations that these characters were given, they stick to them and they make sense coming from the characters from the information given to me, mm-hmm. as opposed to Cough Cough, Queen Ingworth, Michelle Pfeiffer, <laughs> who has, like, the most wackadoo beliefs <laughs> dumb that may it's, or may not have happened to her brother years ago. It's so nuts, yeah. yeah. But it's, I, I'll say that Mistress of Evil made me appreciate this movie more. I would, I would agree with that. I, having like I think we watched this together at it was our our respective first viewings of it mm-hmm. after Mistress of Evil mm-hmm. and I couldn't help but yeah like think about like it didn't make this movie that much better but it made Mistress of Evil seem that much worse yeah, yes that's definitely true I was like man they, remember like why didn't Maleficent forget to like smile and be sinister right. Maleficent too like, or, like if she things. wanted to yeah, yeah. Or, like, she's yeah. so much more fun in this movie yeah also, and she just sort of becomes like a rage queen in this yeah. movie which is really weird she's just I mean, we'll get into this with acting and characters, but Angelina Jolie is such a thrill to watch in this movie. Yeah. She's clearly I mean, having an amazing had. time. I, I honestly feel like this is like a, a, a thesis I have that I, then we should get into this movie and, and sort of shut out the sequel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my thesis is that something changed about the prosthetics and makeup yes. that made it harder for her to emote. emote. <laughs> Maybe. Could be. It really feels like that. Because if you look at the sequel, if you want, like the, all that I remember about it is that she's just like, her face is so stiff. Yeah, she smiles once because it's like a big deal in the sequel that like yeah. she's smiling now. It's so weird. As if she's again, as if she's never smiled in any of the previous. Yeah, movies. and she's like hamming it the fuck <laughs> up at the christening in this yeah. movie. Yeah, it's great. Having a having a ball. So let's let's talk about where this movie <clears throat> differs from the original movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, it'll, and it's a lot. We're gonna have a lot to talk about here. Yeah. So it's very different. Well, it, right. as as all movies that let you in on the fact that the villain is actually kind of a hero, they have to do a lot of shifting of the backstory, and yeah. uh, they have to shift the motivation somewhat. Did we know? This is like a random question. Um, did we know before this movie came out that it was going to be this? That it was going to be like Maleficent wasn't really. I evil? think it was initially pitched as like the Wicked, like the version, like Wicked mm-hmm. but with Maleficent. Okay. Yeah. So people like in the know, because I, I don't know that I was. I just sort of went to see it on a limb. Yeah. I think, but like. The, you knew what you were getting into. You knew I you knew that it was like, going to be a story about how, like, story. yeah, it was. I, I didn't know if it was going to make her like an anti-hero or if she was going to be like the secret actual hero. The whole, you know, like yeah. those are two different things, right? To be yes. fair, like, and I think she is more of a hero. Well, I mean, it goes. Sort of I think it goes hard left. I think it takes the hard left into like making her. All of her actions in this movie, like, they're not all justified, but I think they do a good job of making her complicated, and they do a bad job of making the new villain complicated. Yes. Yes. 100%. Yeah, because it is still, she still does this, like, sort of really bad thing. Right, she Mm -hmm. does. But, like... But she shows regret. 
She does regret yeah. for it, and you understand why, why she, she did, did it. it. Yeah. Whereas you don't, you're never really made no, to understand. No, in the, in the why animated you... movie, which I love, she just shows up to a christening and is like, "You didn't invite me, did you?" Or they're like, "No, we didn't." She's yeah. Like, well, I'm gonna split. They're like, "You really? You are?" And she's like, "No, fuckers!" Her <laughs> <laughs> sister, baby, right there. And so, like, I get that, like, back in the 1500s or whatever, if you were not invited to like a royal baby's christening, that was probably like a pretty big snub if you were society oh. girl. But she's a witch. I also feel like there is this implication. I feel like uh, the animated movie uh, leaves it to the viewer to make a series of assumptions, whereas, like, Maleficent must be a figure in this world who is despised, despised and is probably somewhat of a villain, and she's infamous, and I guess we're supposed to assume that she's just kind of looking for reasons to be petty and curse babies. Yeah, I mean, well, so the other thing is, like, with Sleeping Beauty especially, Sleeping Beauty, the Disney animated movie, it's a, there's a lot of padding to that story mm-hmm. because, like, I feel like they didn't really know how to make it into, like, an 80-minute movie. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, there's the sequence with, like, the bard while the two kings are drinking. Yeah. Like, the fairies having a fight with each other. It's yeah. just sort of, like, none of this is informing, like, who Aurora is or Philip is or even who Maleficent is. This they, is just, like, hilarious crazy. Don't, they, don't they kind of have a thing where it's like, let's have our kids marry someday? Yeah. That's basically, that's, like, when, that's yeah. when the kings, like, start drinking. They get into a fight. They fight each other with, like, a fish and, like, a shield. Yeah. It's just like, well, like what, what am I doing? Why am I watching you two? Like, there's a girl in the woods who's supposed to be the central character. Her name's in the movie. Yeah, there's a lot of like, the, I mean, the fairy tale itself is it's like, a, it's a paragraph. You could right. explain it in a paragraph. Right. As like, with, yeah, again, as with all fairy tales, like, you're going to have to do a lot of beefing up if you want it to be an actual story. Yeah. But as opposed to something like, I don't know, Beauty and the Beast or something. Like, yeah. That does a much better job of, like, expanding it to a 90-minute mm-hmm. movie. Like, making a narrative out of it. Right, right. This one doesn't really seem to know what to do with it, so consequently it puts a lot of focus on side characters. So I think, like, in this one, in the animated one, rather, the three fairies become very memorable characters because they have a lot of the business to if do. If not, they're kind of the outright protagonists. No, I mean, they are. I don't think they were intended to be, but right. they end up being the protagonists. Yeah. And so, like, Maleficent also becomes, like, a very interesting character to focus on in that movie because she's just, like, this, like, creepy still looking person in a movie where you know in an animated movie where people are supposed to like move around and be big she just like slides in gives a bunch of speeches then like disappears which is just like it's very difficult not to look at her when she's on screen despite the fact that she's just like this stationary woman shouting at people I think it's that she's very distinct I think there was a lot of mystique due to the fact that you so little about this character I'm sure from a writing perspective it made sense to select her for a movie like this because there is so much space for you to kind of make this whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's really no accepted backstory for her up until this movie. So there's so much room for it. You want to make her a wicked style, you know, anti-hero or like villain protagonist. That's easy. I think there, there was also something to be said for latching on to, not that it was necessarily in the mid, the high midst of that era, but like the gritty a- aspect of like, yeah, let's, talk, let's talk about more gritty. Like, yeah. let's get into like the villains or cooler people now. Right. And so like, there was already sort of like people having, having a love affair with like getting into the, the dark characters. But there was no, also even true. like dark takes on fairy tales. Like Snow White and the Huntsman wasn't yeah. really about the villain, right. but it was that this like, Almost faux, gritty, bleakly colored. Yeah, and yeah. so there's. I think it was tapping into that, and was tapping into again that like there was Maleficent like was just a visually striking character. I think. That no, I think. I mean, that's movie. definitely it. I mean, obviously, and also you can tell from looking at her, the Angelina Jolie Maleficent like copies the look of the Emily mm-hmm. very, very closely. Like yeah. her skin's like Maleficent movie's a little more green. Angelina Jolie's a little more pale. But, like they have the same like they have ridiculous cheekbones. Right. They mm-hmm. have the horns. A lot of her outfits mimic uh, the animated Maleficent's very closely. So like they're clear 
clearly taking the one thing you will get from Maleficent, which is the visual style and aping yeah. it here. And that headpiece is just so good. It is. It's and so good. It's a weird thing because I've seen so many shitty Maleficent headpieces in my, like, just people, you know, cosplaying or Halloween or what have you. And so many of them just look like really crappy when translated to three dimensions. I don't know why it is. Mm. But this one, and again, I'm sure when you have millions of dollars to throw at it, you can make it look good. Yeah. But nonetheless, this one I think pulls it off, which is, I think for me at least, a remarkable feat unto itself. So to get into it, I mean, again, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to like have a concise conversation about what is different because it's like everything. Yeah, pretty much but everything. But like, I mean, the original, let's just sum it up by saying the original was like, it's a great. It's it looks nice. Yeah. It looks beautiful. There's not much to it. No, I think right? it it's looks, like a simple. It looks story. great. Sounds great. But story wise, it's, it's very slight. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like episodic a little bit, and yeah. it's sort of like again because you don't really focus on any one character. There's just it has to sort of go in and out of the different. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty. It's a pretty simple story of like. She doesn't get invited to the thing. She curses the baby. We don't know why, other than she's a bitch. Yeah. The baby grows um, up to be 16 in a day and pricks her, pricks her finger on the thing because it was to sleep. supposed to happen. And then the prince comes and wakes her up and then yeah. fights the dragon Maleficent at some point. Yeah. Um, and that's really it. There's not much to it. Mm. Um, and there's no real, like, arc for any of the characters. Not really. Um, so you have a... You, you know in 2014, that's not the story you could tell anymore regardless, because right. there's no story there. Right. So you have to, like, make some kind of arc out of it. And um, you were very clearly introduced early on of, like, this is definitely going to be, like, Maleficent is the protagonist. Mm -hmm. There's no, like, there's not a lot of ambiguity. There's, like, a little bit. But, like, you, when you start off with your hero as, like, a little girl. An adorable child. Yeah. In the woods. Mm -hmm. And she's there, like, okay. She's now I know like, saying hi to everyone as she yeah, flies she's by. Yeah, like, oh, hello. Good morning, neighborhood. Good morning, Maleficent. Yeah. Good, what is the Balthazar? Yeah. The <laughs> oh, yeah. Hello, Balthazar. <laughs> you look lovely today. Like... <laughs> 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 Does she does it like nice flowers? Yeah, and she says looking point. good, girls. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. So like the water sprites or whatever. Well, and that's when she meets. So she meet yeah. So Maleficent's a little Stephen. a little fairy girl. No one else looks like her, and we don't know why. And you know what? That's kind of nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, the sequel kept some of that. I was gonna say, looking back on this, I'm not sure I ever thought to ask that question. It's also just right? not a question we need answered. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's only three of the other ones, so like, right. why is it weird that there's yeah. only one of her? And there, but there's also like. <laughs> I mean, there's two Balthazars, like... But, like, in the... It. No, there's a bunch of Balthazars. There's a bunch of Balthazars. There's, like, an army of them yes. in that one scene. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. They're, the... they're riding wargs, yeah, which they never... Right. They're, like, warthogs or yeah. something. But they're, like, three <laughs> warthogs. It's weird. It's odd. Yeah. I wanted more of that, honestly. Like, fairy army. I did, too. Um, but, yeah, there's, like, you know, there's a there's the moors that's full of these crazy fucking, again, Jim Henson's rejected creations. Yeah. Um, on a sliding scale of, of like, appealing... Value or, which, or quality. Which, by the way, I still prefer their look overall to the design we got in Mr. Some of the new arm ones in Mr. Evil are decidedly worse. Yeah, the um, little Chespin one. Yes. <laughs> yes. The yes. Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. fan art character <laughs> is bad. I hated that one. Um, and yeah, she meets, so they introduce, like, there's these Moors. They're next to, like, normal kingdoms, but this is where, there's, like, this one place called the Moors where, like, all the crazy fantasy creatures live. Mm -hmm. um, then there's this, like, human guy, boy, that wanders in of a similar age to her. Steals some gems. Steal some gems because he's poor. Some poor human kingdom, and and she sort of like was like, oh, that's bad. And they make friends, and then like they sort of, for like years, have this like friendship. And then it just like literally is a voiceover of like, and then humans got greedy and yeah. stuff, and like, and then it's implied that like he stopped showing up because he was trying to like I don't know make a name for himself in the human kingdom. Yeah. And the next you hear is that like suddenly the king decides. Okay, this is an interesting thing that I want to talk about because it's going to come up with my fix. Mm -hmm. I forgot, but at the beginning they implied that there was a war. Before. Oh, yeah, they did. 
They said that there, there was a big war. Oh, I hope there's not going to be another war. Another war. Mm. Oh, yeah, you're right. They you're say right. that. So there was some kind of war. We don't know what it was. Yeah. But then, it, then somehow when Maleficent is all grown up, the new king of this kingdom decides, like, I'm going to invade the Moors because yeah. there's cool shit there, I guess. And so out of nowhere, he just decides this. And... You know, he gets injured in this like battle, and then has this edict of like anyone that can kill Maleficent gets to fucking become the new king. I gets guess. Gets to fuck my daughter. Gets to fuck my daughter. Um, and Stefan shows back up and like takes advantage of Maleficent. Um, and you know, we all we all know at this point that this is a pretty like strong allegory for like rape. rape yeah. Um, the way that he like drugs her and takes her mm-hmm. wings. Um, and she wakes up and finds that he's done this, and like you know, understandably is very traumatized by it. Um. And then basically from then on, like sort of separate, you know, sort of like causes like a cold war, yeah. <laughs> like where cause she summons like the walls or whatever. And then, you know, the, the fairy tales sort of proceed as normal from there a little bit where they, she has a, he has a kid. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to show up to this christening. I'm going to curse this kid. Um, the change happens again when the fairies move out to like Moore's adjacent cottage. I guess so. Which yeah. seems like a bad idea if you know that the Moors. Right. Can we also just pause and ask? Why did the fairies show up to the christening? Why we don't know. Right. So it's yes. very unclear. So that's at what point did they diverge politically with Melissa? Right. So that's what I'm saying. So like, there's like, <laughs> right? that's well, what I was questioning. There, there's a weird like, there's a weird version of this where it's almost like this sort of like Uncle Tom thing, right? Yeah. Where it's like where like these fairies are like making themselves subservient to the king. It is. At because, one point, like, he slaps one of them. Yeah. Because and she's I like know. an inch. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, it feels like this movie is almost saying something about the fact that these fairies will like lay themselves before the king in yeah. an effort to like save their own hides but it never really comes out and says that fully and it also just plays them as sort of like dumb ridiculous characters so like you don't really get a feel for how Maleficent feels about this except that she thinks the fairies are idiots it's very confusing I I, in my mind and I don't think this is I don't think the movie is clear about it and I don't think this is necessarily what it was Mm -hmm. but in my mind I thought that they were like because it was not technically a war nobody was technically fighting each other that it was like these three fairies were trying to make like a diplomatic maneuver by showing up and being like here have some fairy beauty or whatever the movie needs to tell us that because in another way it just seems like a weird gap no I agree with you it is super they just show up and they're like we want to give gifts and Stefan's like and then his wife's like no that's cool and then even though they showed up to give gifts, he's like, "Hurry at the fuck up, yeah, fairies!" And yeah. it's like, "What? The, what an asshole!" When Maleficent shows up, the the fairies are like, "Oh no, not her!" So there had to have been some kind of falling out. I don't know. It, it's a very again. It's very clear. This is one of the big faults. Of the There's movie. another thing. So during that sequence, I mostly, for the most part, really like the sequence where she curses Baby Aurora. I think for the most Me part, too. it's very well done. Mm-hmm. It uses a lot of the dialogue from the movie, which I think is one of the stronger scenes in the original animated movie. Uh, there are two things about it that I'm never wild about. The first thing is that Maleficent comes in after two of the fairies have given their gifts. The third one never does. In the animated movie, that matters because she's the one who says she won't die. She'll just be in a sleep like you know she'll just be asleep until yeah. the mm-hmm. kisses her and wakes her up which is fine in this movie we never see what happens to it at all so I'm just curious as to why Maleficent shows up after the second fairy in this movie if yeah. the third fairy was never going to do anything of value like I just kind of want to know like well what did you do then you know at this yeah. point the other thing <clears throat> that I'm of two minds about in the original one as I said when Maleficent curses baby Aurora she says she'll die in this one she says she'll fall into a sleep like death which I think is supposed to be sort of like a fuck you to step 
Stefan for drugging her. Mm -hmm. And then when Stefan says, please don't do this, she says, fine. She'll wake up whenever her true love kisses her, which is another fuck you to Stefan. Yeah. Which, like, on the one hand, I kind of like, but I kind of don't love that Maleficent's first curse was she's going to fall asleep for forever. I kind of would have liked it more if her first curse was still she's going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And then her second curse was just that, fine, she'll be asleep for forever. Mm -hmm. You know, like, watch out for true love's kiss. I bet that'll perk her right up. Yeah. Yeah. So sense. it's just like as as a change, I don't quite understand what the reasoning was. Maybe the reasoning had something to do with their like, okay, we do need to soften some of the villain stuff. If yeah. she comes out might have been killing a, a baby, yeah, it might have been. Yeah, I would agree. I, with I, that. And I, I can I can get that. Uh, there I mean, is, I'm not saying it's a good no, idea, no, no. But I think that was probably the reasoning. I think I don't know if you were going to go into this right now, Lee, but there is one other big deviation that this movie. Well, I mean, obviously Stefan. Yeah. So Stephen. I mean, we've been talking about it in broad strokes, but like for all of the things that we see about. Maleficent. Like I said, all that we know about Stefan is that like a an omniscient narrator voice says like he wanted stuff. Right. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And it's never explained like did he have real feelings towards Maleficent? Right. Did he was he always like ambitious? Right, was he always so like yeah, exactly, because he seems like a perfectly fine kid. Yeah, he him. sort of becomes the new Maleficent in that we don't see right. any of his stuff. We don't really understand what's going on in his mind. Uh, well, well, let's keep talking about it because I want to cover like the adult like the <laughs> next part of the story, which I think is again more of like why Stefan is just a fit like failed in this movie. Mm-hmm. The curse happens. The next change is obviously that like Maleficent essentially is like raising Maleficent and her like Raven boy, which we haven't covered yeah. yet, but like Diablo the Raven is converted into like an actual raven that she turns into a human when she wants to yeah. talk to someone, yeah. I guess. She's never really needed to turn him into a human, but, like, we got Sam Riley. He's this great comedic guy. Let's yeah. have him be a cool sidekick character. And, like, it's one of the best things the movie does, honestly. Agreed. I love the um, shot of where he flies into the cottage while the baby's just crying away while the three fairies, who we can go to in a second, yeah. are just sleeping. And you just see this raven the little just hands. rock. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Little, it's little it's little talon grips the 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 cradle and just starts to rock it. And it was it's sweet. Yeah. It's they weird, did, but it's very sweet. He feeds her like a, a fairy flower that like yeah. is essentially like yeah. milk. They didn't have the guts to have her regurgitate food in <laughs> <laughs> Spit up food, you cowards! Disney, you didn't have the guts to go full bird. <laughs> RP. So Give him the full birdie. <laughs> so a bird would have done it, man. Um, but that yeah, it's quickly revealed that, that like hilarious. these fairies that this is still the same thing where the fairies are taking her away to Lord Shakespeare's birthday. I don't know why they take her to a cottage in the forest that is so close to the forest. That's a terrible decision. Yeah, in retrospect. In retrospect. <laughs> um, but she is on the outskirts of, like, the fairy border wall. It's very quickly real. They're imbeciles and they don't know how to raise a kid, which makes sense. They don't have they don't have kids. Yeah. And so Diavol and then by extension Maleficent have to sort of, like, shelter her, <laughs> like, shoulder well, her on li- through. Literally catch her when she's wandered off a cliff. Wandered yeah. off a cliff because they're too busy fighting all yeah. the time. Uh, and Diavol has to, like, feed her because they don't, they just give her, like, carrots. They give, like, a baby, like, a carrot. And, and a radish. Like, hey, have yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, they dangle a radish in front of her face and then they drop it in her chest like, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Have that when you want it. It's like, um, so yeah, she eventually starts to like form an attachment to, um, uh, what is her name? Aurora. Oh, oh, Aurora. Or Maleficent yeah. forms an attachment to Aurora, Aurora is what I was yeah. saying. Okay. And it's played very beautifully, I think. Yeah, it's very good. It's, it's gradual. It like makes sense. You can kind of like see it happen without, again, there's a lot of showing with Maleficent and a lot of telling with other characters yeah. like Stefan. Or yeah. Stefan. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, Stefan is going nuts. Oh yeah. Apparently, there's For like a scene. Some 
Really? Yeah. There's like, like a scene where he's like is driving him. Insane. Yeah, he's yeah. like but he's burned all those things. He's, he's burned all of the spinning wheels. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's, right. That's a level of paranoia that I'm not like, sure. Okay. And then he's like, let's build a shit ton of iron weapons just in case. <laughs> so my thing with that is, at that point in time, wouldn't their weapons be iron anyway? They would have, but like he's like, <laughs> we gotta like abandon all other forms of production, yeah. but steel, and just make iron. Um, it's I guess I buy that he. Goes goes crazy from guilt or obsession or whatever, but it seems like it's a massive leap from burn all the spinning wheels to I'm having a conversation with the moon. Yes, he's right. having, he's like talking to the, like, uh, there's like a moon yeah. window and he's like talking and he's like, you're going to be here one day. I know it. Well, I know then, you're coming. Like someone comes in and was like, your wife is dying. No, your wife is dying and she's calling for you. And he was like, can't you see I'm having a conversation? Yeah. Yeah. I just see I'm talking to the moon. <laughs> it's not good. It doesn't make sense. And no, I, and like I said, like if you were that soldier, I feel like you'd go out and talk to one of your like comrades and be like, uh, should we talk about a coup or something? Should we yeah. kill? I yeah. mean, <laughs> in the first place, he is cl- he's clearly established to be some sort of rando who right. lies his way into becoming king. Which, by the way, as a choice is super strange. Why wouldn't you just make him the prince? I don't know, man. I, I don't know what the logic was behind that either. I really don't. I guess it was just so that you could show him, like, craving power yeah, like rather he, than, like, being born into he it. He started but off with that, nothing. And it doesn't really pay off. Like, they... No, I think they just went... It's similar to the insanity. I feel like we could have used a few lines to explain it, and then it really would have made a little bit more sense. Well, you had it... I don't know what you wanted, Chris. You had a narrator telling you that he was ambitious. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know yeah, what else. Honestly... Because when you're doing a fairy tale, you can you can front load a lot of information into a nice narrator. As long as yeah. there's some old lady there to tell you yeah, what's thanks happening. Thanks, Janet. Yeah. So, like, um, it's very unclear, like... What the fuck is ever going into on and stuff on? Almost spot. everything about Stefan in this movie is my least favorite thing about the movie. Yeah. Me too. He's the biggest problem yeah. with it. And so then like, by the time you see him at the end of the movie, he's just like a raving lunatic. Yeah, he really is. He's like a psychopath, right. essentially. And it's very different from like the adorable child who, like, I don't know, just threw away an iron ring because it hurt the friend he yeah. made. So is that supposed to make us just feel better about the fact that he dies? Oh, yeah. We don't care, because he's nuts. Because he's nuts. Yeah. He's just this, like, vicious yeah. psycho. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting things you, you could do on the stuff, and they don't do any of them. Instead, they just, like, introduce him, and then decide at some point in the story, like, he's irredeemably evil. He right. was always a bad egg. Yeah. We're not going to talk about it. Right. Yeah. right. Which I think is weird. It feels rushed. Like, you could have dived into this character. That could have been interesting. Yeah. I'm not saying I wanted to necessarily take focus away from... Uh, Maleficent and put it on a male character I don't really care about that much but he's so underdeveloped that it becomes a distraction well, itself again it's not like it's taking focus away from right. it. it's giving focus that is due to a character a villain a, a right movie. and see like, yeah. this is my point so like if the, it's like if the writers watch the first Sleeping Beauty and were like well this villain's very two dimensional like they don't have any real desires like like explaining why they're doing the things that they're doing like why are they so angry all of a sudden like let's make Maleficent really interesting and then someone's like okay now who's the villain they were just like uh that guy and like <laughs> yeah. now he's the two dimensional villain so it's yeah. just sort of like you like basically dumped all of the worst traits of Maleficent onto another character just so that like you could sort of explore this one character who was initially criticized for being so flat right. and so like you know purposeful. But they really just moved the flatness. Right. So it's just like you're just like it's like you know like sweeping dirt into a quarter right. It's just like oh like out of sight out of mind right. Yeah. The, the change they made that I thought was a bummer why do you gotta take Maleficent's dragon moment that away? That was the other thing I was going right. to say. So yeah let's let's just like go through the rest of the chronologically. So because like there's other big changes that I think are good-ish yeah. that I have problems with. So, yeah. like, there's a point in this adult version of, like, when Aurora's, like, 15, where Maleficent's like, well, clearly the curse was a bad idea. 
Um, and she tries to reverse it. She can't. It's like impossible. She's like, fuck. Is this when she's like screaming her head off upstairs? And, yeah, you know, in the same so. house, the fairies are yeah. like just having. <laughs> so one of them like hit the ceiling with a broom, like, hey, keep it down, Aurora. Fucking <laughs> butterflies flying around everyone's <laughs> like, face. I, They're just sleeping makes, like nothing. It makes me feel like, do are fairies just naturally in a drug induced state whenever they fall <laughs> yeah. asleep? Because they were also sleeping through that baby wailing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, she tries to undo the curse. She finds she can't. Uh, because she, no power on earth can undo it. She thinks she's going to get away with, like, because Aurora decides, like, well, I want to live in the in the moors. And she's like, well, you can do it now. Yeah. Come here now. There's yeah. no spinning wheels here. <laughs> like, Yet somehow I'm wearing all of this, like, fine leather. Yeah. Things. But then it's, like, it's like to no avail because she goes home and is like, hey, aunties, I'm going to go. And they're like, well, you can't. You're actually the princess. Blah, 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 blah. Also, you're cursed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they got to spill the beans. And she was like, well, I guess I'll go back to the castle. Yeah. So well, she, I mean, like, it makes sense. I'm like, yeah. I don't, like, because the woman who she thought was her fairy godmother who's been very nice to her for like sure. the past I don't know year or whatever yeah. Yeah, there is, I was like her enemy it's worth noting there is a moment where she's about to confess that she cursed yeah. Aurora but she she sort of thinks she has an out because Aurora butts in with like well I want to live yeah. here and, Aurora, yeah. and she's like well great let's yeah. do that yeah. um, so she runs back to the castle they try locking her up they don't do a very good job of it um, Aurora's really bad at being locked in rooms, guys. Yeah, I know. Just don't do it. Yeah, don't don't try to lock Aurora. That's like her one superpower. <laughs> Is this where we get into the nature of how the curse makes it happen? Yeah, I want to. That's the one thing I want to cover. So, like, I don't like it. We'll talk about it and fixes and stuff, but it's what I don't like about the curse is that it seems like she like literally goes into a fugue state <laughs> and searches out. There's like voices in her head that it's are like, like she loses Aurora. control of her body and she goes kind of like slap in the face yeah. and it's yeah. just sort of like ambling down the stairs. Whereas like there's so many ways you could have done it. Like, oh, there actually was a spinning wheel somewhere. Mm-hmm. Or there was like a, a, a someone as a joke named their dagger the spinning wheel. It was mm-hmm. a bad joke. And that's what she pricks her finger mm-hmm. on. And it's like, be, they, either way, it's it's not that it, she has to do this specific thing. Do an exact words trick. Yeah, there's like, it's just like a, it's a curse. It's inevitable. It doesn't have to be like really look so badly contrived. Like, mm-hmm. well, she just she must, and so she's well, just and then also controlled. in that moment, a spinning wheel for, reforms itself <laughs> in the dungeon. And I was like, really? It could have been more elegant the way the curse was executed. Yeah. I forget how it is in the original. I mean, it's just that there is a spinning wheel in a room, there, upstairs, yeah, which one is left it. to assume that Maleficent has something to do with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose if you're being charitable in this one as well, one might assume that a spinning wheel would just manifest itself anywhere she was eventually. Mm, yeah. Like, if her curse was, she will prick her finger. And it's gonna happen no matter what. That like a spinning wheel will just conjure itself. Right yeah, now. but the way that she like, I, I agree know, with you. It's weird. Thing wanders though. through the yeah. house looking for one. Um, and the second that, meanwhile, like Maleficent's already like clocked, and Diavolos was the first to suggest this when she they were like spying on Philip. They were like, "Oh, Philip's a good idea." Yeah, and she's like, "You idiot!" There's no such thing as true love. Um, but the, the first thing like, they do is like, "Well, I guess I guess Plan B. Let's find this fucking kid." Yeah, and they find him and just like drug him essentially. Yeah, pretty much magically anesthetize him, bring him to the palace. It doesn't work. So that's the it's. I mean, technically, Frozen did this first, didn't it? Thirteen. So yeah, yeah it was so like frozen a pretty concurrent. Yeah. yeah, but the the surprise twist, which yeah. you know you could kind of see coming, and I don't mind necessarily. No, I don't really. I like, like it actually. I like it. But yeah, like it's, you know the true love's kiss comes in because like she has like motherly love for Aurora. Yeah. Um, and it's nice. I yeah. I think it's still like I don't know the bait and switch aspect of it. I have issues with it. Seems weird and like clunky and like I don't know. I like that. It's similar to how I liked it in Frozen. That of like we're we're. I like that they're expanding the definition of true love to go other places aside from romantic. That they're saying that love is still true and important even when it's between yeah. a daughter and mother or good, between sisters. It's a good message, but I don't 
I don't know. Maybe it's because it was so quickly these two movies, one after the other, doing this. Hmm. And maybe it's because by if you want to have this bait and switch, you have to introduce this other character in the movie that you do almost nothing with. So, I mean, I guess for me, part of it might just be the fact that when I was watching Maleficent the first time, at no moment did I ever think it would not be Maleficent kissing her. Yeah. When it got to that point, you know, like, it's just because it's clearly... I know that it's not going to be Philip because we're doing, like, an inversion of the fairy tale. And Maleficent is not... barely a character. Yeah, that's true, right? Philip hasn't shown up until, like, 60 minutes into the movie. Yeah. And so, you're, again, Maleficent is, like, the protagonist in this movie. So, therefore, if someone's going to kiss her or awake, it's probably going to be the protagonist. Yeah, I just so, like, kind of is wish... It, is this part of it because you just, like, you know what's going to happen? The thing that feels clunky is that, yeah, the, the, the that there is a twist about it. Like, it shouldn't treat it like it's a big twist, especially yeah. since it was the second movie to do no, this. No, that's true. I think... It's also weird that, like, it's the same studio, so, like, you think... I realize one's live action, one's animation. Yeah. You think at one point someone might say to the other, like, hey, like, how, how like how's, how's the twist to your Maleficent movie going? I think, given what this movie could have been, seeing how Mistress of Evil panned out, seeing how these other kind of, like classic story twists <laughs> movies have gone in the past. Mm-hmm. I think there was a version of this movie in which they do have it be true love between Philip and Aurora and he kisses her awake. And I'm just, I, I think I'm just very glad that we didn't go that way. Well, that would have been everyone's ruinous. glad it didn't go that way. But what I'm, what I, where I have an issue is that Philip shouldn't have been in the movie at all. Period. Why introduce he, this? Why it's he's there he to sort of adds, like he be a adds nothing. be a minor bait and switch? Yeah, and he true. adds almost nothing except like tedious scenes that you don't need, mm. other than to set up this idea that like, well, maybe he'll be it. We none of us are. You, you fooled no one into thinking it's going to be Philip. Part of me thinks that there's almost a version of it, and I'm glad it's not this because. You don't want this. But a version of this where Aurora decides not to go back to the kingdom, or rather, Aurora decides to go back to the kingdom because of Philip. Yeah. And I'm glad it's not that. I'm glad it's just because she finds out that Maleficent was the one who cursed her as a baby. Yeah. But, like, you could very easily see it being like, oh, there's a very handsome boy, and oh, maybe yeah. I want to be with a handsome boy <laughs> instead of, like, fairy godmother lady. Yeah. yeah. I just think that Philip is, like, I don't know. Stupid. It's, yeah, it's... <laughs> not an albatross, but, like, a smaller bird hanging on this bird. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> around the neck of this movie um, and a magpie <laughs> yeah um, it's a, it's clunky so but while we're in the castle when she's trying to leave with Aurora yeah yeah yeah, gets, yeah now we're on the yeah and she gets captured Which I would nuts. have loved for her to have turned into that dragon to throw that chain off okay so here's the thing I agree with you yeah first of all yeah I've been thinking about this yeah why didn't she because she can't fly yeah, she could have turned into a dragon the whole time. No, what I'm saying is, big part of... So whenever Maleficent first makes Diavol, she says, I need you to be my wings. It's therefore implying that Maleficent could not turn herself into a creature that oh. could fly. If she could not turn herself into a creature that could fly, can she not turn herself into anything at all? Well, I guess... Then... And so I realized that you could say, like, well, why can't Maleficent just turn herself into something at all? That's perfectly fine. But I think what the writers were thinking is, if Maleficent can turn into a dragon that flies, is she that broken up about having her wings chopped off? And I agree, like, she would be. Yeah. I think that's perfectly valid, but I think that's what the logic was behind not making her be able to turn into things. I guess at the end of the day, I think there was space in the story. You could have configured it in some way where she still gets to turn into a dragon because it's a great moment in the animated movie, and it's so weird to me that of all of the choices you are making to empower this character to put this new twist on her I don't the logic to me of taking away that glory moment for her is dumb it's weird I see your logic though it makes sense but. It, this is weird because in the original movie it's a cool moment visually but we don't mm-hmm. care about Maleficent getting a cool moment in the original she just becomes a dragon mm-hmm. and it's bad it's, now we gotta kill this fucking thing yeah. in the movie 
there has to be like a reason like that. There, there has to be stakes to being in the iron net. And <laughs> it's weird that she can do magic on someone else, but not to herself to get her out of the net. No, I agree. However, Just the net off or something. However, I do think in that moment, it should be someone else that does something to help her in that moment because she later on gets her own moment where her wings come back and mm-hmm. she like, she did, and that's a great moment for like her reclaiming something. Like that's a that's sort of completing the allegory of like you know taking back a part of herself that she yeah. thought she lost. Um, and I think that is the moment where then she can have her badass moment. I would get rid of the dragon altogether. I think it's I think it's it brings up too many questions mm. that he turns into a dragon. Have him, have Diavol do something else, but also have him do it under his own power. Mm-hmm. I would I, like what I, I think my preference would be that she can't do anything because she's under a fucking net. Again, if, if we've talked about this in the sequel a lot more, we were talking about the sequel. Like, it's weird that he can't control it. Yeah. After 16 years, he still relies on this, the, this like, capricious woman to, like, turn him into stuff. That's, like, 21 years in the sequel. Shit. Yeah. Right? Like, you think after 21 fucking years... And she's, she's like, gotten over a lot of her finally. shit. He has done, like, nothing but good work for yeah. her. Like, he deserves the, yeah. the agency over his body. Yeah, I think that it should be Diavol or Aurora helping her out of that situation. I would say Diavol. I would say Devil too. Yeah. I, 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 I think to Aurora, have a moment. Aurora does kind of, but I don't. Well, yeah, because Aurora does her own thing with the wings. I yeah, think. but I don't think. I think that again, he should be doing it somehow without Maleficent helping. I think Maleficent should be momentarily like unable Stunned to do anything of, yeah. because it's too weird that if she can cast magic in that moment, powerful enough to turn someone into a dragon, that she can't get herself out yeah. of the situation yeah. she's in directly. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's problematic. I think that the move the moment is there in the movie because the original Maleficent, uh, the original Sleeping Beauty had a dragon. Yeah, yeah. And no, it was I, like, well, we got, how are we going to work there. that yeah. moment? And it's a big set piece in the original movie, and it's clunky. It just doesn't really ring true. Do you want to move on into just like breaking the characters down? Yeah, we've talked about it. We talked about a decent amount of character stuff already, but I think mm-hmm. we've not talked about we talked a lot about Maleficent and Stefan. I mean, um, I think it does. Yeah, Angelina Jolie is the best thing about this movie. She's fantastic as Maleficent. Yeah, I mean, you can't her fault... Line, her line readings are amazing. You can't fault her acting. She does yeah. a great job. I think she's a um, choice. And Stefan, we've talked a lot about the problems. I don't think there's too much more that needs to be said. I mean, I... Th- but have your piece now, if you have anything. His accent is unfitting. It's too goofy. I think he's... Is that... I want to know. Is that his actual voice? He's South African. He's South African. So is I think he's he was... Doing... I think he's modifying his accent. Is it that high? Yes. That's like... like his voice sounds... It's very like nasal. Pitch and timber. Yes, it sounds like that. If he can't deepen the voice or lose the accent, he should not have been cast in that role. I agree. I think I think literally the reason why he was cast is that he kind of looks like the animated Stefan. I guess, the animated yeah. Stefan is sort of like a weird face. He's tall and skinny. Like, he's yeah. not like conventionally like a handsome sort of character, so I think that's probably it. He looks like your local... He sounds like rather your local hobbit. Yeah. He was also having a moment back then. No, he was too. I, I mean, I'm that sure actor. that helped, but I do think that he has sort of like the character actor kind of look that you would want yeah. to have someone look like a cartoon character like that. There's another thing that I find weird that I didn't really cover whenever, in the christening scene, whenever Maleficent's telling Stefan like big, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's this one quick shot of like his advisors like yeah. carrying him. Like he, he gets down like on his knees to like beg Maleficent, and he looks up. He looks at these advisors. These three like old men like 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 you fucking cuck. See, I remember like, that scene a lot, but yeah. I didn't think of it so much as begging, so much as like him calculatedly being like, oh, I'm being measured in this moment. And again, what a fantastic potential look into a complicated character that we don't get, right? Because he is ostensibly like a commoner that got ascended to a massive role of authority. And so what an enormous amount of 
people must be ready to snatch that up from me. Right. And it's not that I have an issue with that being like a thing that happened there. I have an issue with it never coming up. Ever no, no, it never comes yeah. up. What a shame. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, nothing ever comes up with Stefan. No. The I mean, fact that like there's, I've talked about off air. I've talked about like the, the idea that he's like going nuts. Mm-hmm. They don't do anything with it. There's just, right. it seems like he's a nut, but like switch, it, yeah. it, it, it would have been excuse. a great thing to explore of yeah. like the guilt over what he's done is driving him nuts, but it doesn't seem like he's that guilty in the right. end because mm-hmm. he's ready to like fucking kill yeah, him. Yeah. And it's just sort of like, like again, did he ever love her? Like, yeah, him and King Ingrid went to the same <laughs> fucking school of like <laughs> two-dimensional villains. Two-dimensional villains that take take the last possible moment to try to kill someone and then get murdered. No, I guess I guess Ingrid got a little bit of a different. She got yeah. off a little bit lighter. Yeah, she is stepping a turn to a goat. Yeah. Too. LOL. I like all of the actresses playing the three fairies, but I found those characters to be obnoxious and very one note as a joke. I could have had that turned toned down a little. Yeah, yes. so here's the thing. So I know you had said that Deovol was done dirty in the sequel. I think the three fairies were done dirty in this version and yeah. the sequel too as yeah. an adaptation. So in the original one, they're kind of like bumbling and like bickering in a Golden Girl sort of way. Right. Here they're just like fucking idiots. Yeah, they're Like there is no way in hell like, again, I realize Stefan is a fucking psychopath. There's no way in hell he should have trusted his children to these women who like, they like they leave the baby outside. The first scene of them going to the house is like them leaving a baby yeah. outside over looks at it. Then one of them runs out, she's like, how did you get out here or something like that? She's like, oh my god. Like, no, they're, literally. They memories of, like, goldfish. Yes. yes. They don't know what humans eat. Yeah. It's awful. They also yeah. seem to, like, hate each other. Yes. Yeah. So, like, they're not entertaining to watch. They're not funny. They don't seem to love each other. Like, why am I spending so much time the with these unpleasant characters? The slapstick isn't good. Yeah, I yeah. think they sort of reduce them to, like, some sort of weird comic relief role. Yeah. But it unfunny. And it was also a bummer to just see these three actresses that I generally like quite a bit just slumming it in these shit yeah. roles. Yeah. I also, it bugs me that they change their names. That's such a minor thing mm. but it bugs me that they What were they in the original? Flora, Fauna, and Merryweather. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't know why they were changed. It just feels like... I mean, I think Thistlewood's a good name for a fairy. But yeah. I do like Florifone and Merriweather. They're, they're better, like, they're nice, like, descriptive names for what they represent, right. too. Yeah. Um... But Thistlewood is a great, like... I mean, that would have been good for a lesser denizen of yeah. the Moors. Yeah. Um, we have not talked nearly enough Diavol. about Diavol and what a great character he is. Yeah, Diavol might be the best thing that they brought to the screen. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree. I mean, it was it's a weird choice, but, like, to have, like, her raven be a weird man shape-shifting thing. But, like, it it's gives... It's a choice. It's great for both both this new character mm-hmm. and for Maleficent because it gives her a sounding board and someone to talk to. Yeah. Um, and he's a great character. Mm-hmm. Like, it's they do a lot with him in the scenes that he's... It doesn't look like he's... That's not like a huge part, but he's there for a decent chunk of it and he does really great acting when he's not... Even when he doesn't have lines. Yeah. Um, and the, the half of the time he's like a crow and, you know, CGI, is, it is what it is. But it's, it's still very, like, emotive and gives it, like, a, a strong character comes across. Um... I like that he sort of has, like, a weird, simplistic... It seems like he's almost wiser than Maleficent because he's, like... He used to be a crow. Yeah. Or a raven, rather. Sorry, he would be very offended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, it, like, things seem, like, pretty simple to him. Mm-hmm. Like, so he, he often has this, like, very simplistic, like, well, of course I'm going to do this. Yeah. Of course, like... True love skill, yeah. Like that's yeah. that's good. like it, like he sort of brings that like former like Beck Raven level intelligence to his new weird life as yeah. like some sort of weird hybrid, which I kind of like. But yeah, he's like he's got it's sort of a great. It's the effective comic relief role. It's like they give him like some yeah. nice quips. He's there to like humanize and empathize with Maleficent more. 
It is kind of like, also, if you were to just sort of look at the animated movie and be like, well, Maleficent has this raven, like, obviously she's going to need someone to speak to in this movie, it would have been very easy for them just to be like, well, it's a raven, but it talks, right? right. Like, she just makes a raven who can talk. Yeah. And so you would just have a CGI bird with her the entire time who's saying things. And so, like, whoever actually came up with the idea that she would turn him into a human periodically to have, like, actual conversations with a physical person there smart. did a very good job. Yeah, yeah, I have to say, it's a little unexpected, frankly. So, like, I commend them for yeah. making a pretty smart decision. I also really love, um, it's the scene wherever he first meets Aurora when he's a human whenever mm-hmm. like they do the whole little like come out they're like then you'll be afraid thing when he like first meets her he like kisses her hand and says oh, yeah. I've been watching over you for a long time or something like that Just, like, I know. it's a very sweet little moment he's such a guy. dad yeah. I kind of wish they had given him more explicit do as like a co-parent in this situation yeah, yeah. I mean he's primarily resp- he's like the primary caregiver for Aurora he is yeah, he really is he fed her yeah yeah um, but yeah, he's it's he's a great character. Yeah, Sam Riley does a really good job. He does a great job. Yeah. yeah. Anyone else we need to talk? I mean, Aurora. Aurora's, Aurora's there. fine. Yeah, I, she doesn't have much to do in this movie. No, she doesn't. I mean, I guess she has a good she has good chemistry with Angelina Jolie, right? That's why I mostly say is that Elle Fanning yeah. and Angelina Jolie have a very good relationship with each other on camera. So it's very easy to believe that these two people care about each other. Yeah. I, I and again, like it's another little moment, but I just always sort of love. I love the fact that when Aurora first like meets Maleficent, she says like, "I know who you are." And she She's like, you do. And she's like, you're my fairy godmother. This is like, uh, it's just, just like, it, it's like, it's, it's yeah. a very sweet moment that like Aurora just assumes that like this, like this tall, terrifying, intimidating person who's no, been you know, her entire life is like looking out for her. There's something to be said for this. It, it's hard to play this kind of thing off without being twee. Yeah. And Elle Fanning's very good at, at playing this like sort very of. Very earnestly. Like. In innocence, but it's sort of like it's not like a necessarily like a naive innocence. There's like a little bit of it, but like she just sort of like has a bright take on the world, and she manages to play it off very naturalistically. Yeah. And like, and you, and you don't feel like you don't find her exasperating or infuriating. Yeah. To like, which in a movie where there is no shortage of scenery chewing, I think that's a pretty big feat yeah. to turn in a grounded performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, particularly when the women playing the three fairies are like. Mm-hmm. hyperactive clowns yeah. yeah so we've talked I think that's essentially the characters that are worth talking about yeah, yeah. pretty much um, let's briefly cover the visuals in this movie mm-hmm. so we've, we've touched on it a couple times but the it's such a strange choice to have populated the moors with like you could have just had other fairies yeah so the thing that I find really strange about that especially is not like there's not like a precedent in the animated movie for this no in the animated movie you have Maleficent you have the three fairies and you have Maleficent's goons who are just like these weird sort of like medieval gargoyle type things yeah and like it's not like you see a bunch of other weird ass shit in the forest throughout the movie so it's like you could have very clearly just kind of stuck to that kind of thing but instead it really is just populated with you know an entire world of avatar it's, it's, it's not even like I don't hate it necessarily. It's I, a, I don't hate some of them. It's not even traditional like fantasy creatures. Yeah. It's like just it's, it's, random it, creatures. I mean it just I don't know how to say, but it looks sci-fi fantasy. Like, yeah. See, that's I almost kind of appreciated that. Like I actually think that gave and I don't always think the designs were successful and I thought many of them were kind of not I thought many of them were kind of ugly. But I did appreciate that they were willing to experiment with that look. And because they could have gone in a very expected direction. And to me, it read like they just turned the designers loose and they just said, do some stuff. Like, throw in some treants, yes, but give us some weird, like, pig things. Give us that weird, like, skyfish. And it's not always successful, but I appreciate that they're taking a big swing. I, I wouldn't have minded some of them, but I, like, I feel like 
I've seen what Disney can do better. Yeah. Uh, I missed, uh, you know, and use those designs that they never got to use for that one fantasy movie they were going to do a while back huh? about the gas station. Oh, it was based off of a weird oh, short story. Elves. King of the Elves. Yeah. yeah. How all of those, remember the concept art from that? Yeah. And how like every, it was all sort of based off of like the idea that fey folk were like hidden. And so they all looked like grass or like That's a specific flower. Yeah. And they, you could see in all of the designs that were like all of the concept art, how they could like, Pose and shut their eyes yeah. and just look like the grass. Yeah, and some of the smaller creatures were a bit like that. And I kind of wish, like, if you were gonna fill it with like random nymphs and stuff, like that could have been the direction to go. But instead, there's like you know weird troll people and yeah. like the yeah. fish whale thing was just weird. No, it is weird. Yeah, and it's not bad. It's just like it, I don't know. I fell out of place. So I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. No, you. it's okay. I, I, I again, I'm, all I was gonna say is like I'm fine with like creative stuff, but I mean, there's something to be said for like you know, there's existing precedent for like gnomes and fey yeah. folk, and like just do that. Don't I think <laughs> so. I think, like, if there's one thing you would take away from the original animated movie, probably, it would be the visual style. It has a very coherent visual style because it was overseen by one person, Ivan Earl, at the time, which mm -hmm. was, like, not a thing that Disney movies generally did. Like, like, they didn't, like, mimic the look of one graphic artist. This one had one person overseeing the designs, the backgrounds, everything. So that's why everything looks so flat and, like, a tapestry and everything looks so coherent. Whereas in this one, it's, like, it looks pretty traditional medieval fantasy, but then you have, like, the flying whale things and yeah. the little taper things and also just like none of that visual style feels like it would fit in with the animated style of the original movie mm -hmm. so it's like if perhaps the creatures in the moors had looked a little more like something that could have come out of that movie I would have been more into it but none of them do mm -hmm. so I don't again except for the Balthazars which I ooh yeah I love the treants yeah yeah. again there are some things I like I like the little water sprites me too the ones that kind of have that little like seaweedy look to them yeah, yeah. oh yeah those are okay I'm good with them um, but I did yeah but I didn't like I'm even good with like a couple of the like toadstool there was a guy with like a toadstool oh, on his hat oh a little hat yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't like the weird you like mudslinging troll those things. are really like, the, like my those. least favorite yeah those like are just those. awful they had like big goofy they have so many of them they, they, they were like eyes. I don't they know. were like minions essentially yeah yeah there was, it was that kind of a thing, like <laughs> kind of like adorably ugly kind of thing. Yeah. And the fish wheels were just too weird. There were those yeah. were clearly like some sort of weird alien avatar thing that I didn't want. So yeah, it's it's not the greatest. I will no. say that the lighting is gorgeous. Lighting is gorgeous. It is. I think the costumes are quite nice. Yeah. I like that they gave Maleficent like a handful of different variations on the look. They did. Like there yeah. was like a snakeskin pattern at one point, and then there was leather, and then there was like a skull. She has element. great wardrobe. A fabulous wardrobe. I thought the prosthetics looked better in this than they did in Mistress of Evil. I know that you can't get away with doing a movie about Maleficent without having her wear that outfit that she wears in the original. Yeah. But what I don't like about that is that I don't understand why um, she would wear black. It just doesn't seem like... Other than, like, oh, it's just, like, in the game, she's, like, an evil witch, but, like, yeah. in this context of this movie where she's, like, this golden-winged, like, hawk... Golden eyed, well, she lives in the forest. She's surrounded like by gauzy green. Robe. Yeah, she's like surrounded by like earthy, and the rest of the clothes that she wears is mostly like you know, like earthy druidic. and druidic. That it seems weird that she go for like a black leatherette type thing. That does seem weird. I thought it was weird that she wore a cat suit underneath it. She did. Well, yeah, it's it is weird. I mean, I guess it's just so at the end during the action sequence you want to be able to move. Yeah. So you got to rip off the oh dress. God, she's got to right. have something on. She did wear like, yeah. It was, it, again, I talked. I, I said this to Chris. Yeah. But that moment where she like, there's a couple weird slow mo shots in the movie, and there's one oh, of them yes. when she like busts out of the window with like stuff behind her yeah. chain. I was like, this looks like a still from a Batman special. Yeah. 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 It looks like some sort of wheel, like she's like Catwoman, 
and there's like I don't know some Batman villain that uses a chain is behind her. I don't know. That's right. It just looks like it, it, did look it was like a big stained glass window that she just ripped through. So here's the thing: the guy who directed this, Robert Stromberg, mm-hmm. he is a special effects artist, designer, and filmmaker. He worked on Avatar and the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland. Well, that Shocking. explains everything. Yeah. So I think that partly explains, like I, I think that explains both things that look very good and both things mm-hmm. that look very bad. Yeah. I just want to say music real quick. It's done by James Newton Howard. Uh, I talked about it a little bit in the mini episode, but James Newton Howard has done a lot of work before. He's done a lot of stuff with Disney before. He did Atlantis, which we discussed on this podcast. Uh, so he has a really good sense of sort of like a high fantasy soundtrack. Uh, there's a couple of little distinct different themes that I like. The um, the curse one comes back a few times. It happens originally whenever she's putting the curse on Aurora, and then when she tries to take it back off again, and that's what shows up in the sequel whenever like we first see the spinning wheel. Mm-hmm. There's like a little Maleficent motif that I like. There's like I think two or three maybe different Maleficent themes. It's a very good fantasy score, I think, in general. And James Newton Howard is a talented composer. So, um, good for I mean, if that's the sort of thing you're interested in, I would definitely recommend seeking it out because I think it's uh, it's it's definitely possibly the best of the Disney live action scores. I would I would say, and one of the better fantasy scores I think I've heard in a while. So, lot to recommend on that front, certainly. Better than Ladyhawk. <laughs> <laughs> We did this during the last mini episode, and I made the same face then. Oh, I love it. God, I love Lady Hawk. I know. Are we good to get into Yeah, I'm ready to talk about fixes. first? Go first, man. I'm sorry, can I go first? Before your voice gets out? Sure. When I watched this, I was on so much fucking medicine. So my fix is going to focus on the two elements I really don't like in this version, which are Stefan and the Fairies. I wanted to try a version that had a less overt villain, and I kind of tried doing one where nobody was clearly in the wrong, but it wasn't really working, so I just decided to try and bring some more shading to Stefan. So in my version, Stefan is the prince, the son of the king, but he kind of resents it. So when we first meet him, he's more of like a roguish type who's always shirking his responsibilities and running off. Uh, We first meet him when he's secretly snuck into the moors and that's where he encounters Maleficent. Their relationship here is not romantic. It's just a very close friendship. So Stefan and Maleficent know that their friendship might not be looked on as kosher because there's this uneasy peace between the humans and the fairies under the best of times and Stefan's father harbors secret desires to wipe out the magical inhabitants of the moors and take their resources. So one day a benign situation escalates and a human who snuck into the moors ends up dead. This provokes a battle between the humans and the fairies during which Maleficent uses her powerful wings to attack the king with a blast of wind, knocking him from his horse and fatally wounding him. Stefan, who wasn't present at the battle because he wanted to avoid confronting his father over this conflict, sees his father on his deathbed and is crushed with guilt when he hears what happens. So his father makes him promise to avenge his death by killing Maleficent before he passes. Stefan visits Maleficent under the pretense of warning her and secretly drugs her. Just like in the movie, he's not able to kill her, but he removes her wings and returns to his kingdom to be coronated. Most of the movie then kind of plays out the same way from this point on, except that Maleficent curses Aurora with death at first, and then backs down to sleep and the true love's kiss. The fairies, whose names in this version will be Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether, will be cast as more pragmatic types who ally themselves with Stefan under the belief that assisting the humans and protecting them from the wrath of Maleficent will be the best way to endear themselves to the people, and thus ensure the survival of the magical beings of the Moors. Additionally, they view Maleficent cursing Aurora as a dangerous move and something that goes against the established rules
rules that have kept the Moors thriving for many, many years. And so as such, the fairies act entirely out of a slightly misguided but not impossible to believe idea that taking care of baby Aurora is the best way to protect their fellow magical beings. As the story goes on the way it does in the movie, the biggest difference is that Stefan is not shown to be a psychotic maniac, but rather someone who's just wildly ill-equipped to be a leader and makes terrible decisions for what he genuinely believes are the right reasons. I don't want to excuse the bad decisions he makes, but I want to show the conflict and ambiguity that informs these decisions. Which I think is more interesting than just having the flat villain as right. is in the having movie. Having him just like lunatic who again yells at the moon. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> Can't you see I'm having a conversation with the moon? <laughs> so, basically, he's a study of someone who just, despite their best intentions, keeps fucking everything up worse and worse. He seems to truly regret some of the things he's done, but can't rectify his mistakes. At the climax of the movie, he still ambushes Maleficent when she sneaks into his castle to rescue Aurora, but does so because he's genuinely concerned for Aurora's well-being and thinks that Maleficent is there to harm her. While Maleficent and the dragon Diavol battle Stefan's soldiers with fire and some thorns, Aurora, Philip, and the fairies who saw Maleficent kiss Aurora and thus know she truly cares for her fight their way to the dungeon with the burnt spinning wheels where Stefan has also hidden away Maleficent's wings out of shame. With her wings returned, Maleficent confronts Stefan atop his castle. Stefan is unable to conceal his rage and sorrow and his tempers reach their highest point. The tower he is standing on crumbles under damage done to it in battle. Impulsively, Maleficent quickly fires off a spell that seems to briefly freeze time. She can speak but not move and Stefan is likewise precariously balanced on the edge of a fiery precipice. Stefan tells Maleficent Maleficent that she can't save him, and Maleficent says she wouldn't anyway. Stefan has a moment to... <laughs> see that? <laughs> Stefan has a moment of realization where he's able to see where he is and how he was brought there, and tells Maleficent he was always the reason why the kingdoms couldn't be at peace, and why Maleficent felt she had to do terrible things. Frankly, Stefan admits, he was never suited to be the king he was born to be. If he was more willing to speak his convictions and be honest to himself, he wouldn't have been led to this point in time. Maleficent then, in turn, also recognizes the role she played in all this, despite trying to undo her own mistakes. The two reach a connection just as Maleficent's spell wears off. Stefan falls from the tower to his death, and Maleficent flies down to save him, but she is too late. As Stefan dies, he shares a look of understanding with Maleficent now that he's finally at peace. At the end, the fairies reconcile with Maleficent, recognizing that her love for Aurora has created the strong bond between humans and fairies that they were trying to ensure. Aurora's crown queen, and she unites the two kingdoms. Maleficent stands, looking at her proudly and lovingly. The end. Aww, I like that one. Thank you. It's good. My fix, I think the way that Stefan and Maleficent encounter each other is going to be very different. What I want, he is going to be the prince, like the son of the king. I'm going to say that when he was younger, he did not really have any desire or ambition to take over, uh, but he was very much into kind of like archaeology and history, and that's how he kind of stumbles into the Moors. And he's first coming to Maleficent with like respect and awe, and that's why she would let him in. Then they kind of like became very close friends. I'm also thinking that this love thing doesn't really need to be, but that while he's kind of exploring the, uh, the Moors, he kind of untaps this kind of more evil presence that was maybe sealed in t inside some kind of like, you know, ancient fetish or talisman or something like that, that I was thinking would be, I mean, placeholder name, but like the Horned One or like the Horned King <laughs> that is slowly corrupting Stefan from like basically the inside out and is driving him towards ambition so that when he goes back to the kingdom, he murders his father to take over. And that is sort of what drives him to take off Maleficent's wings. I'm sort of fine with a lot of the other stuff happening the way it is, except I would make the three fairies, they were already fixtures at court. They were sort of like, not necessarily defectors from the Moors, but they were ones who decided that they didn't really want to live with the rest of the fairies and they wanted to help humanity. 
Uh, whereas at this point in time, Maleficent is very like, well, humanity literally took my wings and tried to invade my land, so fuck them. That's what drives her to come and place the curse on Aurora the baby, but she kind of realizes that Stefan is not really acting under his own power and is sort of under the influence of this like evil. So that really, he still dies, but he still gets his moment of like lucidity and like apology for kind of having gone through this. Um, I still want the true love that breaks the spell to be between Maleficent and Aurora, but I feel like fixing those smaller details kind of uh, freshens it up a little bit. I also think Diavol is already kind of a puckish shapeshifter who's already in the moors with her, mm-hmm. but was maybe, I think, at first somewhat of a rival or like, not like quite an antagonist, but like, yeah, more like a rival, I guess, like another kind of magic user in the moors who was not necessarily trying to kill or hurt Maleficent, but was always kind of enjoying, like, getting in her shit. But that they eventually uh, become friends as Maleficent is sort of uh, rebuilding herself and forging this new connection with Aurora. And I do want it more explicit that, like, they were the true parents Mm -hmm. of Aurora. Okay. Very different. So that's very different from Brendan's and very different from the movie. Um, I think mine's a little close to Brendan's, but not, but different in other ways. So I had forgotten the idea about this, like, I'd never it was just a throwaway line in the beginning of this movie that there was like a war before mm-hmm. the setting of Aurora and of Maleficent and I was thinking about the sequel that I, now that I know I'm seeing this with fresh eyes having seen the sequel and then Ingrid also talks about something like a past conflict yeah. um, and I was thinking about how there is no one else in the f- moors that looks like Maleficent and about the weird choice in Mistress of Evil that there were like a bunch of other random dark fae and they called them a name and it's a dumb name for them but whatever and but I, what I did like is that is a really good context without having if you were clear about it if you set this up in a, in a way that again you're showing out telling you don't have to say anything but you could strongly imply that there was a war mm-hmm. and that that's why Maleficent has no parents that they're like there there was a it, like, tore up both kingdoms and Maleficent is just like sort of an orphan now you could also set up that Stefan is like an orphan on the other side of the war and that he doesn't have a lot of options anymore maybe he wasn't poor but maybe he wasn't that well off either and now he's an orphan and the same meet cute happens where like he's trying to steal gems because they're there and like he's poor and he doesn't have any other option maybe or maybe he's not an orphan Maybe he's got a mother, but the mother's husband's knight died or something, and there's, like, not a lot of options for him, and, you know, he needs money. Uh, you guys explicitly both said, like, I'd do away with any love arc between them. I didn't think about that that much. Like, it's a choice. I don't know that I care about losing it as much as you guys did. I don't know that I need it, but I, I think either way, like, clearly there should be this strong bond between them. But I... Where I agree with Brendan is, like, humanizing mm-hmm. Stefan and, and talking about, like, getting more into what motivates him. And I think setting him up as an orphan in a human kingdom where, like, that does affect your your ability to, like, you know, support yourself and others would go a long way in doing that. And, you know, the, when they're growing up, it was because, like, this war had been so devastating that really, like, the human kingdom had no choice but to be like, well, I guess that's it. We can't really do anything else. But that, you know, at some point in the future, the king once again decides, like, we've got this, like, new weapon or whatever, we're going to try to get into the moors. And I think Stefan, at this time, has, like, joined the army or become a knight, at least to try to, like, you know, in the natural way that, like, society can do to people, he becomes greedy out of necessity. Like, it was initially, like, well, I've got to support myself, I've got to support my mother who's sick or whatever. Um... And then he he gradually like needs more power and money to do things, 
and he's in an awkward position now, um, and that's why he stopped seeing Maleficent for a while. And I kind of like the idea that he does cut her wings off, but it's not because, like, the king was like, hey, any first person who does this gets to be <laughs> king, but because it was, like, a desperate thing for him. Like, there was always this bounty out on the king of the queen of the Moors, but he doesn't think about it for a second until some urgent thing comes up where he needs, again, a sick mother or something. Mm-hmm. Like, someone is dying... He needs power and money to fix it, and he can't do anything about it. And he can't bring himself to kill her, but he, he thinks that, like, the wings are enough. Like, they'll be able to, like, trick the king into thinking about it. And he doesn't expect to be made king about it uh, after it, but that is, like, part of the reward that he gets. And he feels like that event, like, lingers on him. And I, I do want to have the guilt of that start to slowly drive him mad, starting from, you know, made aggravated by the fact that Maleficent does show up and curse his kid. And now his problems are compounded. Like, initially, what he tried to do to protect someone he loved has, um, has made someone else that he loves also in danger. And I kind of like the idea that he does go a little bit nuts because of it. And what it really is is that he can't get over... He can't forgive himself for what he did in the first place. Um, the rest of the story, I'm fine with mostly. I would ditch Philip because I don't... I don't understand why he's in the movie at all. I don't think he does anything. I really... I would maybe beef up Diablo in the plot a little bit more just because he's my favorite character and I like him a lot. But also, I kind of like, I think there's something to be said that um, you could do this as a throwaway line, but it's just a personal thing that I think, that I thought of that I, w- that I would put in the movie <laughs> were I the person with creative control. I think there's a world where, uh, in Diavol's mind, like, they're just a family because he's a crow that has been made to serve this woman. And crow, I'm not a crow, he's a raven. I keep forgetting. Um, and they made for life and they've wow. essentially like raised Aurora and I think there'd be like a nice idea like an, like again because he sort of has this like animal simplicity to his wisdom sometimes or like his, his state of his like uh, worldview mm-hmm. I kind of want that to be a thing in his head for, for the movie yeah that like in his mind like this things are simple like the three of us are a family I think there, it happens sometimes but I want to have it more where I think the simplicity of Diavol's worldview I think helps Maleficent a little bit like in her growth mm-hmm. and I would kind of want more of that in the movie I think in the end I want instead of like she turns around after saying like we're done fighting and the king just tries to grab her one more time I think that there's a moment where like she does drag him outside and he's still hanging on and I think that there's a moment where she does say like I don't want to f- that's it I'm done killing people yeah. I don't want to like she hurt like, you anymore it's, it's over yeah it's over but instead of putting him she's like about to put him down and I think there's I think he lets go I think he's like is this, is this, this is the only freedom from the guilt and insanity insanity is, is to kill himself and it's a great again I'm thinking about a part of me is thinking about how to make the sequel better <laughs> and it's like wouldn't that be great if like when in the sequel when they're all talking about like everyone says you killed Stefan and she's like really cagey about it she kind of did but wouldn't it be great if she didn't kill him mm-hmm. it was really like but she doesn't go around telling people like yeah. you know actually he yeah. let go right whatever anyway that's not it's I can't, I can't have like I can't totally forget that the sequel exists <laughs> but again it would be but we're It'd be a better choice anyway. Yeah. And that's my fix. Nice. So actually, there are two things I want to throw out now that I can talk a little bit more. So the reason why, just because you had brought it up, Mm -hmm. that I wanted to do away with the relationship between Stefan and Maleficent is because I don't think the movie does this really, but I think it could be read as this, but it almost comes a little to like a woman scorned and therefore she's evil because a man like, and I realized that it's not just like a boy broke up with her, but it's a boy like effectively raped her, which is a little different. Yeah. Um, But I still think that it's sort of like 
I think like the idea of like a romantic betrayal for me is still one of those things where I'm just a little iffy about having that at all be involved in a woman's motivation. Yeah. Whereas if it was just sort of like someone who she trusted and thought was a good friend turns out to be like a fucking creep. It's a little bit easier for me to swallow. Yeah. The other thing, and this didn't even occur to me at the time, is that everyone in the kingdom... So Stefan shows up in the beginning mm-hmm. with the wings, gives them to the king. The king's like, I'm dying. This is wonderful. Go fuck my daughter. <laughs> and then he just collapses. He what becomes, a, I wish those were the lines. It's on his tombstone, I think. And so he does this. They have a baby. There's a christening. Maleficent shows up. Shouldn't those old guys be like, uh, hey, that woman you killed? Weird. She's not dead. Yeah. Why are you the king now? Like, yeah, it, again, there are so many weird, like, power yeah, that's struggles. Why they were yeah, I know, right? There are so many, like, power struggles that yeah. the movie, like, almost sets up and then never wants to do anything with There's it. one thing I want to say <laughs> on that. There's, I forgot to, to talk about this when I was talking about my fix. But what I was thinking about when I was when I came up with the idea of them both being orphans from the war is that there's an interesting thing to be said how it how hard it is to stop seeing someone as an enemy after so long. Yeah. And how like these two kids almost had it and then like again their respective societies got in the way again. Would have been interesting. Yeah. Would we recommend? Yes. I would say yes. Yeah, definitely. I actually... It's uh, the best of the Disney live actions. I'll, I'll uh, say it. I'll say it too. Peace Dragon. I haven't um, seen it. <laughs> I don't count Peach Dragon because Peach Dragon fair. was already sort of live action. That's fair. I guess it doesn't count as like the end of the live action. Yeah. yeah, but like I said, I was honestly, when I watched this again, I was surprised. So I remember leaving the theater the first time and being like, eh, whatever, that was yeah, fine. I just thought it was weird. And then I watched it again and I was like, this is like actually almost good. There's a lot of things in here that should have been weeded out with later drafts or it felt like they were never really embellished upon the proper ways. But when I was watching it, I just kept thinking like, this is like kind of good. Yeah. Maybe it's also just that I've been beaten down by so many crappy like live action movies. I that I'm just sort some of, of them like, aren't even that bad. They're just lifeless. Mediocre, right? right. Yeah. yeah. Like Cinderella. That was the issue I had with Cinderella for the most part like there are some like fine performances but it's just like you're just doing Cinderella like if you're not going to do something unique with Cinderella why are you doing Cinderella I mean it's also it's better than Beauty and the Beast but yeah definitely I'd recommend this Um, I also just want to say like in the canon of why watch movies I think this ranks pretty high in terms of like very enjoyable good yeah and like entertaining and yeah yeah I'm actually I'm glad we rewatched it because honestly we had not I probably would have continued thinking about the same way I had yeah. before. I, a couple months ago, I was watching it on Netflix. I was doing, just watched, wanted to watch it on Netflix. Maybe it wasn't on and I downloaded it. One of those mm. things happened. I watched it a couple months ago and I was like, damn, this is like actually really good. I mostly wanted to rewatch it because I just remember liking Diablo so much. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, the movie's got a lot of solid bones to it. No, it does. There's, there's a lot to take away from it, I think. I'm, I'm, I was honestly surprised. Yeah. It ages like a decent wine. <laughs> it does. Ages like a two-buck shot. <laughs> Please, it's three-buck now. Ugh, I know, inflation in this economy. Yeah. Guys, that's all we got. That's all we got. Yeah, that's all we got. That's all she wrote. Facebook.com. Facebook.com. That's all I watched. Give us a, give us a like. Likes, reviews on Apple Podcasts. Give us five button stars, you cowards. Yeah. Smash that like button. That's right. Subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. I wish we had a... No. If we had a Patreon, then we'd have to do more things. I don't want to deal with that. Because yeah. we have full lives with I already jobs. do enough. I, want I teach money. children. Why do you want me to do a Patreon, listeners? Why listeners, I don't this? want your fucking money. <laughs> I want your money. Just send it in the mail. Yeah. I don't want to work for it, though. Can you just send us cash? Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Legal. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Two weeks. Bye. 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 Oh. Uh-huh.